Yeah, 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 yeah. Welcome back to another episode of the Wazi Circus Radio, the show where I get to sit down with the baddest men on this planet, the baddest women, on the baddest people on the earth, son. This is a rare opportunity. I'm about to pick this man's brain. He's a seasoned vet. Shout out to our Patreon patriots. Shout out to all the skydivers, paramotorists, parachute enthusiasts in the world. Love y'all. Yo, we were just talking about something that was called the lunar landing at NASA that you guys uh, used. Oh, George Neeson, baby. George Neeson, everybody. George Neeson. And good evening. Good evening. <laughs> Put that picture up. Put that picture up. I want y'all to know, this George Neeson right there on the right. Sit flying his face off above the clouds. This man is not a joke. <laughs> this man is not fucking around. How old are you, Georgie? It's not even important because you're so oh, badass that you've transcended age. It's cool. Uh, getting close to 75. Wow. Getting close. Fucking still shredding. <laughs> uh, NASA. So, actually, this was uh, an event called Ballooner that went on for quite a number of years. Ballooner, that's what you were saying. B-A-L-L-U-N-A-R. Uh, and uh, we were lucky enough uh, to actually, uh, as part of this uh, balloon fest and ultralight and all this other going on, skydivers were landing at NASA and uh, getting to pack inside their facilities uh, and then ride a bus over to uh, Ellington and, and jump in again. And you, like I said, you're landing right there. And uh, one year I was lucky enough to be part of uh, a state record over there. That was the largest balloon ever was that year. What and year? Do you remember? I do not. Okay. Uh, this would be uh, early 90s. Okay. Re uh, somewhere in there. Uh, and uh, anyway, just to be in free fall and look down and realize that you're right over the top of NASA. And then I had the experience during track off from the 80-way uh, anyway, the, the record. Uh, and as I happened to look back between my legs checking uh, – and the visual back between my legs was the uh, the great huge rocket laying on the ground. It used to be uncovered. Now it's inside a building. It's inside the building, yeah. But it wasn't then. And the Apollo. No, it, no, that's the uh, yeah the Saturn V. Saturn, definitely. yeah, the Saturn V rocket. And uh, so it was outside. So you used to do the tour outside on the rocket. Well, yeah, and you could, that thing was big enough to be seen in. Free fall. Like I, said, I looked back between my legs, and there, it and, was. And there on the ground, back behind me, it is that that rocket. And and I, you're supposed to be clearing your airspace, Joy. Well, <laughs> I, I was a little uh, <laughs> guilty. Yeah, um, yeah, all good. I mean, it, it did grab my my attention, but uh -huh. uh, that just those are rare moments when something in free fall takes you out of free fall for a second. You know, and and I, I was going to mention as a part of that, as I was tracking away, that's one of the times that I have experienced knowing a formation was complete mm. when I couldn't see it all. You had the you felt it, and and it's there's a fair number of skydivers that have, have had the experience. It's a relatively high percentage, actually, I, I think. And you're talking about the 80-way record at NASA, so that's yeah. a big deal, and you could and, feel it. The synergy was there. Yeah. Uh, that, the uh, 
world record 246 way uh, in Chicago in 98, I got that light up. I mean, uh, and I got to prove it on the ground uh, as we were walking in to people from San Marcos and uh, Harry Hopkins. Uh, and uh, I said to them, uh, we got it. Harry was pretty certain. I think he felt it, but she didn't. And uh, I said, when you get done watching you in the film, watch me, Doc, count to three. And count to three, it'll be complete. You'll watch the last person, Doc, at the count of three. And that's what happened. Exactly. And did you not see it? You just felt it? Just lit up. Yeah, right. I know. I know. It goes through the whole crowd. I've been on 30 ways where it didn't work because it was waving. You know what I mean? It got all crazy. And you never, there's no bliss. Well, there's bliss. We, oh, we tried, right? But there's a moment when you just grab and you're holding and you're waiting. And you, it's just like somebody turned a light bulb on or something. And it goes through the whole crowd. Like, I think, I think. Everybody's like, I think, I think so, I think so. Right? And there's like no doubt for a second. And then you got to go. And that is pretty metaphysical, isn't it? Yes, it is. And I'm not that kind of guy, but I've had it happen enough that uh, I know the reality of it. And, and it's ne I've never lit up when it was not true. Is it like it's like closing a circuit? Probably everybody's uh, gripped, right? It's all gripped all the way around. Boom! It's connected. It's all connected, and, and it completes a circuit. Think about how hard we struggle to hold hands with each other. <laughs> right. That's the whole fucking goal, is to get to each other and hold hands. In in the real world, we don't ever touch each other like that, unless we're dirt diving. But in the sky, our whole goal is to get together and hang out with each other and just be around each other for a second and kind of like cherish the moment of being with these people. But why isn't it as special? Why isn't it as, because it, when you're skydiving, with somebody, and you come in, and you get that dock, and you're good, and they get the, and you feel somebody get your knee, and the other knee, and you're like, oh, we're in this. All of us are in this together. There's nowhere to go. You couldn't escape if you wanted to. We all tried to get here so hard. And and it's magical. And and I, and I suppose that when you think about the amount of energy that each person is bringing to that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Think about it. Think you about know, all the... I got to say, Waz, I hadn't ever looked at it from that exact angle and that's a i really like that way of of looking at why that can happen right you all bring that charge and uh, when it's yeah and it is a charge you you're putting your gear on you're dirt diving that's charging that's a copper wire winding up with a magnet man and you get on that plane all good yeah. you get on that plane Everybody's still dirt diving. The anticipation of your spot on exit. Don't blow the exit where you need to be. Keep your head, the track away, the landing, the land. You're charged, man. You're charged. You don't want to be the one that fucks it up. <laughs> right? You know the video's on. You know you got your bright and yellow green, so everybody's going to see you. <laughs> yeah, man. And, and, and then you, oh, my God. Think about the moment. If you could track the electricity on a jump, that two seconds before exit. The doors open, everybody's standing, and you're waiting. That's when the power's like ready to explode, right? If you have to do a go around, that's why it's such a big letdown. You know what I mean? Because like you're ready, and it's just go, and you just 
break through that door. And after that, it's easy. It should be. Well, you know, some people struggle, but it's easy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's why. If I, you've I, trained I'm, hard I'm, enough, if you've trained enough, it's easy. So the, the next story is this guy. All right. You know, uh, when I came up to do the uh, Flight Nights Tunnel on Thursday, and uh, and we were uh, at party afterwards, and uh, we started to talk about uh, a skydiving memory that you and I have together. Yes. And uh, this radio show probably hasn't heard that story. No. And uh, so we're God, that at picture's a uh, somewhere. place I don't called know where uh, that picture's at. Uh, uh, Luling. Uh, and... Uh, Ten people plus a videographer getting out of an airplane, build a shape, do something else and something else. It was and a two-point skydive with like yeah. 12, 15 people. It was a lot. It was a cool fucking jump. Yeah. And the last person out of the airplane, uh, the, the best slot to become a hero or a goat. The glory. <laughs> the, the glory, glory spot. Come uh, on. Come the glory come. spot's the last guy out. <laughs> the last guy, because yep. you got the furthest to go, you know, they don't expect you to make it, you know what I mean? And you pull it in and you close the formation. It's glorious, pure fun. Yeah. Uh, so, I can't remember the first shape we built. The second shape was round. Mm -hmm. And as soon as it was complete, Waz, let's go. We close up the round. And he goes up above us and then down into the center in a head-down attitude that should have just plunged right right through the, the damn thing. When you didn't plunge through the center and actually orbited, looking at all of us. Outface carving on them boys, on them and, bellies, boy. As we talked about uh, the other night, uh, every b belly flyer, all of us in the circle looking at him, we go had our jaws dropped all the way down going, holy shit. George, my jaw was <laughs> dropped. I didn't think it was going to work either. <laughs> Mark Farr. Yeah. It was, there it is. There it is. Yeah, there you found it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about this. For one, I don't have a belly suit. That's Alan Metney's belly suit. It doesn't fit me. It's too baggy. Alan Metney's the old owner of iFly, and he left it in a drawer somewhere. And I was like, Alan, I'm going to use your suit for this big way. He's like, go ahead. So we build this, and then Mark Farr, that was like their second or third jump, right? Yeah. Because we had done two or three other points. It was a good belly day. Oh, yeah. my God. If you guys don't fly belly, you're missing out. I mean, real belly. Not you and your friends trying to dock. <laughs> like, you know, like eight-way, four-way, 12-way, really getting in, flying your slot, being specific. So we had done a couple of jumps, and Mark was like, you want to do some free fly shit? I was like, baby boy, you know I want to <laughs> do some free fly shit. So he's like, we're going to build a two formation. They built the round. And in this picture, I had just let go and transitioned to my head. And then they closed that piece. And I carved around it like two or three times, man. Just looking. What it was, if you can see, my head is eye level with their faces. And it's like, it's the funniest thing, man. I'm flying around a tunnel of smiles is what it <laughs> felt like. Because there's all my friends in a circle. And I'm carving around just smiling ass faces. of every, Everybody I know. And I'm laughing my ass off. And they're laughing their asses off, and I can't believe it's happening. Hey, and uh -huh. like I, I got a lot of memories from 53 years in this sport, and that's one of the keepers. Yeah, buddy. That, thank you. That that right there was uh, was one of the keepers. Oh, man, that was <laughs> that was a big moment in my life too. There's those jump moments where 
especially as a tunnel instructor, you're learning all the time in the tunnel, but you really don't get to apply it. Other than with your friends in that little ass glass box. You know, you don't know if it really works in the sky. You think it does, but you don't know. That was one of those milestones for me. Like, I can do anything now because of the tunnel. You know, there was one before that where I had, dude, head down. You're head down? Uh, no. Not uh, yet. Uh, I've, a few people have taken me out. Uh, mm -hmm. They've. Uh, they got me all the way to terminal once. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Have you not got on the net at all and felt your body? No. no. Oh, you got to come do it with me. It's just you can sit fly, and that's all it really takes to be stable in your sit because if you bail out in your head, you go to your back, but if you can get to your sit, it saves you a lot of time and me a lot of time of waiting for you to get stable, right? If you can just pop to your sit, which I know you can. My sit's gotten better than you've seen okay. by quite a bit. <laughs> but I've been watching you sit fly for how many years now? Yeah. Right? But, so. But, but I, I kind of dabble in it. I haven't, you know, I haven't dedicated. Dedicated, uh, but I sure have fun. I've had some amazing dives. Uh, 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 all of a sudden, I, the Red Bull lady. Uh, Shmo, Shmo, Amy. A Amy. Amy Schmlecki. Schmlecki. Down I in Costa Amy. Rica. I love Amy. By, I'll keep that story short. By an amazing Don't. set of coincidences. Uh, Amy's walking up to me and says, so do you want to jump? In Costa Rica, at that little drop zone at, off the off the, off the the um, National Reserve, the well-tilled, yeah. beautiful. Yeah, the Barcelona Resort. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, there I am, and somebody was setting me up with a uh, sit jump with somebody, and uh, I find out it's Amy, and she says, uh, nobody is signing up. Do you want to jump? And go do one-on-one -on -one with oh. Amy. <laughs> Come on. Hey, you want to learn how to putt with Tiger Woods? Yes. What? <laughs> I said, you want to learn how to putt with Tiger Woods? Yeah, Please, yeah, can yeah. I? Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. yeah. yeah How'd that jump go? <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're beasts. Obviously, you get a dock. Right. I mean, that. I mean, zip. She flew right to you, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, if, if I wasn't backing up at warp speed. <laughs> right. No, she, she still caught right you. to me. But then what got really cool was that she just turned into a, a rock, not moving at all. Yeah. And, and I, I couldn't move her. Right. Uh, and I, I looked at her, and she's got this just shit-eating grin on her face Yeah. that says, if you want to keep that dock, you better start flying. You better flying. start flying, or you're <laughs> out of here, buddy. <laughs> That's and, a good coach. Oh, and... And and a, and a bit I'm struggling, and then finally I, I kind of get it together, and it, I got this, uh -huh. and I finally made eye contact again, and she's got this radiant smile on her face. Beautiful. Uh, and uh, on the ground later, I she let go of a little bit and did some other things, made me work. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I got on the ground. And he said, "You know, I'd have held that dock to impact." I mean, that was so cool. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I finally got someone in the air. Dude, your first sit fly dock is legendary. That's a monumental moment. You know what I mean? Because it's hard. Especially with the old school chest forward, arms back, backslide and sit fly. There's no way to get a dock. Yeah. And then and, Costa and Rica I, to fly with one of the best, that's pretty rad. And Yeah, and, and she said that, uh, uh, well... I wasn't backsliding. 
<laughs> that's what she told you? Yeah. Oh, that's right. beautiful. I asked, I, I started, and she said, you weren't backsliding. <laughs> she knew what I was going to ask. Right, right, of course. <laughs> so here's the deal. Like, there's levels of coaches, and there's coaches with huge egos that do all the flying to show you how cool they are, right? And you're backsliding, and they fly to you, and they get the dock, and they tell you later. Then the next level is like Amy to where, no, you got to work. You're never going to learn if I'm flying for you. I'm going to sit right here like a rock. You can run into me. You can pull me. You can push me. I'm solid, but I'm not going to come to you. And that's who makes you better, especially with that smile as you're struggling and you finally get there and boom, there's that connection. The energy pop passes through the hands and, and you light up again. And you get to go land your parachute and do it again. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? <laughs> All right, hold, hold on. Before we go further, because I just, I just skipped. Toast to life. This is, this is a beautiful scotch, you guys. This is a beautiful scotch. It's not, um, it doesn't go too far off the deep end, but it's not like you, you're in the shallow end either, right? Because mm -hmm. it, it doesn't go on some flavor roller coaster, but you're deep in this. It's an Abelor, um Speyside single malt scotch whiskey. Okay, let me see what they say. Abelor whiskey was born in the Speyside village of Abelor, made with local spring water from the Ben Rhines and barley, now locally sourced from the fields near our distillery. We mature the single malt in three different types of casks, the European oak sherry cask and two different types of American oak casks. Their rich flavors infuse our whiskey over time. This is a very good scotch. If you guys want to try something to drink along with the Wiley Circus, yeah. it's, it's smooth. But be careful. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah explain. Yeah, uh, it is a cask strength, uh, so it's uh, actually... Uh, about uh, 92 proof, uh, so uh, it also that gives uh, the cherry oakiness uh, a bit more of a bite. Uh, it, right, it's, it, it, it's real solid. <laughs> real solid. Yeah. So, Georgie, your jump philosophy: 52 years, you said. How long have you been in the sport? How long 53. 53. Uh, but you were military jumping first. You, we, we did the story. I just don't remember. you. No, nope. no, no military jumps at all. At all? No. Right You've never had to bail out of a helicopter or anything? You, you just can't crash bail out of a helicopter. You just crash them? <laughs> <laughs> I've bailed out a couple of helicopters. Well, if, if it's still in flight. But yeah. one that is... Oh, uh, yeah, it's yeah, metal. Yeah, it's a it, metal it, storm. It, yeah, it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, there there was a uh, helicopter in, in the uh, Army, and it was still there. Uh, I think they've removed this from the manual finally, but it was the Chinook the, with the two uh -huh. motors up on top. Uh, and uh, I was never rated, but I flew it some. At any rate, uh, in part of the emergency procedures, uh, in the event of uh, total hydraulic failure, the emergency procedure is to exit the aircraft. Are you guys wearing rigs? But there, there weren't any parachutes in the aircraft. So what the fuck? Exit the Perfect. Perfect. Exactly. That's the Shanizi right there. So exit the aircraft. That's some yeah. army manual bullshit right there. <laughs> That's the army manual. <laughs> if fire, exit aircraft. That's it. <laughs> There's no other instructions. Yeah. You know, well, <laughs> hey, you know, well, what it is is... You know, if if you what they're saying is, if you stay in the aircraft, you're dead for sure. Yeah, there are people. Uh, I know one that hit the ground at terminal velocity mm -hmm. and lived. 
From how high? This 7,200 foot exit. So I've read about well, the... Well, but he didn't fall all the way. He, he was a had slope? a function cut away. Oh, okay. Okay, so he did have and a... And had way too many winter clothes on. That's why I wasn't up there, because it was too damn cold to skydive. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, he successfully cut away, and he couldn't find the reserve ripcord. And he went in went nothing in. out. With nothing out. In the snow they, and the trees. In a bush. Uh, he hit a small uh, black spruce. You know, they're not, that's not very substantial tree. Okay. Uh, and that was enough that if he wasn't already, he was completely, absolutely flat on his back when he hit into about three feet of snow. Relatively compacted snow, not fluffy shit, but that's still not much. That's not much. He so had no life-threatening injuries. That's nothing, really, just some broken bone. Yeah. Uh, Military dude? No. Yo, so there's stories in like World War II, planes would catch on fire and guys would jump out at 16, 17,000. Can we look up the highest free fall survive without a fucking parachute? Because it's high. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, they got out of the bombers in World War II. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They're on there fire were, and they get were the a fuck couple, out. There are a couple of those guys that made that. Right? Made World War like, I. Oh. And a couple guys live. Yeah. Here's the deal as a jumper, because people are like, ugh. I think it's a nightmare now because we're going to be totally conscious the entire jump down. We're going to know exactly what's going on. There's no passing out from free fall. Like a normal person would probably pass the fuck out. My, yeah, they could overamp. Oh, yeah. We're not going to overamp. We're going to be perfectly calm. <laughs> it's going to be bullshit. <laughs> like, fuck. Fuck. And you're going all the way in, totally calm, totally conscious. Not fucking around. And uh, I have had a very short peek at what you'll see. I dumped a uh, reserve after I went through a thousand feet. What were you doing? Uh, I couldn't get a main out. Borrowed gear. Oh, and you and stupid you, twice. And you went through. You went through a thousand in free fall. Mm -hmm. When did you try to dump two? Oh, I started. Yeah, at twenty-five. Well, actually, we, we we broke off lower, but at this is some at, old man go, shit. Yeah, listen, uh, this is some old man uh, shit. Because you're not gonna you, hear this shit from yeah, anybody yeah. that hasn't started jumping in the last <laughs> yeah, thirty years. Yeah. This shit ended forty yeah. years ago. Yeah, <laughs> well, the hard well, deck was. Fifteen hundred feet back in the day. No, so you'd uh, wave and I, pull at twenty five. We were normal. We normally pulled at two grand. Fuck off. N normal. Normal. So if uh, you went low, you're so, at twelve. Uh, yeah, and so in this case, and going through <laughs> a little said, before yeah. two thousand, I'm I'm playing a dance with a a gal, uh, trying to get off of, and every time I would turn, she turned and at two. At, well, we, maybe maybe it started at twenty four or something. Yeah, but like you guys that. trying but to get away. We're, yeah. we're going through two thousand. Because you just broke at twenty five, so yeah, it just yeah. started. So somewhere, <laughs> fucking crazy shit. At, uh, oh my at, god! At so say eighteen hundred feet or something like that, <laughs> I realized what my friends had been trying to point out to me with their eyes during the jump, and that was that. This was back in the ripcord days. Uh huh. Your ripcord was hanging, flopping. 
Well, the borrowed gear, I, I didn't check it close. Borrowed gear. That's how I got there. Uh, borrowed gear is fine if you do a thousand touches. It, to make a nice, easy pull of the ripcord, the guy with this custom gear had removed all of the tie-downs for the ripcord housing mm -hmm. so that he didn't the, it didn't have to turn a corner. Right. Well, but in free fall, if it's out of the pocket, where's the ripcord? Flopping around. No, it's behind you. Oh, because oh, because it's having the housing. It, yep. It's just it, blasted back. It, it's all the way behind you. Wow. But couldn't you just grab the line? That's, if he took the housing that's what, off. That's the whole thing. He had the housing and everything was free, so it's the, everything's oh, behind everything's you. Everything's just flopping. Everything's behind you. There's nothing, no nothing to grab onto, uh, and. Uh, so what would he do in that situation? He would just know to reach well, behind oh, he, him. Yeah, and maybe he could reach it. Uh, I I couldn't find it. So doing a thousand touches wouldn't have helped you in that situation if you didn't get briefed on that. And gear. as soon as I missed, as soon as I missed here, I mean, uh -huh. the instant that I didn't come up with it in my hand, I, I the the right thing to do right then, and I knew it. Pop pop, right left. Do a back loop. What? If I'd have done a what back... What the fuck? It, it, <laughs> that was what I should... Do a back loop? No, George. No. <laughs> Listen, no. Hey. No. And, and... No. <laughs> no. 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 You're at 1,200 feet. No, you no. can't find your fucking pool. No, no. You don't do a back flip. I was at 1,700 feet. It doesn't fucking but, matter. Hey, and oh, that, God. Hey, don't hey, preach this no, no. shit. That's the difference between now and then. At, at, no. At, at the time, honest to at the time, all the what experience. What I should have done was a backflip. That happens every time. That's every time you're in trouble. Just do a backflip, guys. <laughs> no, I knew what I knew what. That's where the ripcord was at. Oh my God. And no. no. But here's the difference. This is the important thing. Okay. At that time, all of my really experienced friends thought that's what I should have done. And that is the difference between now and then. Yeah. A backflip's going to cost you 500 feet. Now you're at 1,000 feet and you're coming on main. that fucking thing, dumping a main. But you are dumping a, a round parachute, so it's, okay. uh, uh, a lot, it's a lot closer to being dumping a reserve. But uh, I could, I could make myself... A. Cheers <laughs> to the yeah, USPA. Oh, hell yes. Our, <laughs> you know... Thank you, USPA, for BSRs and all your guidance it, and insurance. It, there is that old saying. Uh, Holy shit. Do you remember the days when sex was safe and skydiving, skydiving was, was dangerous? Yes. And, and now it is the other way around. <laughs> no, sex is pretty safe these days, unless you want well, to get now, monkey box. Actually, uh, since we mentioned sex, uh, I wore the appropriate shirt. For, the, for Pride Month. Bingo. Very good. I'm proud to be human too, my friend. Yeah. And with uh, everything that comes and, with it. And with it, uh, a I wanted to quote a uh, a fine philosopher, uh, a guy uh, named Rodney King. Mm -hmm. uh, some people will have heard the name, and yes, <laughs> so that's you the one I'm. Do it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> why can't we all get along? You can't remember we, that? Can't we just all get no. along? I, hey, but he was at a moment of desperation. He was tired of fighting. He was tired of talking. He's like, listen. It comes down to this simple. Can't we just all get along? And and that's, I got lucky enough to watch that live, and it... It was impactful in real oh, life, huh? Oh. Yeah. It, 
They beat his it, motherfucking ass, son. But and and that's what makes that statement that of his so powerful. So powerful is he was a wronged man, and it was and so he's mocked. standing up there he and he's so asking mocked. everybody to to just get along. Just and get that, along. that that is man. That is powerful. Yes. So I did want to ask you about oh. your um. Well, go ahead. What's up? Who's that, Rodney King? <laughs> <laughs> oh, who's that? Who's that, the girl? Okay. On the 26th of January, 1972, Vesna Volovid, she's from Ukraine, dog, was a flight attendant on board Jet Yugoslav, oh, Yugoslav, Airlines Flight 367. The flight path between Stockholm, Sweden, and Belgrade, Sepia, you got to go up, I can't see because of PGM, took the aircraft over Czechoslovakia, now the Czech Republic, and this is when the plane exploded in three pieces. I've heard about this. Holy shit. Okay, but she she stayed on the aircraft. She was in the tail section of the aircraft. I've read this story. I want to know who's survived a free fall outside because she said on the tail. I don't know. I'm not making excuses. Ah. God bless you, um, Hesna, Vesna Bulovic. But, I mean, like, no parachute in free fall guys in World War II. It's like 14,000 feet. I, uh, while we were doing that, uh, I came up with the, and I'm so bad about names. The w- one that went in in Alaska was uh, Gene Minnell. Okay. Uh, mm. And he, he 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 had no life threatening. Did anybody write a newspaper about this, a story about this guy? Oh, it made the news up there in Anchorage. Yeah, that yeah. That was it. You know? You're from Anchorage. I was raised up there. Raised up there. Yeah. So uh, that gets us to Alaska and this. Yes. Do we have... Do we have 10 minutes? George. <laughs> I don't know how long the story takes. It I've never told it It doesn't all. matter. It doesn't matter, bro. Uh, so this, this is, is why about, we're here. Uh, part of my life uh, that dominated uh, for a long time was a real struggle to uh, get skydives in when I was a helicopter pilot in Alaska and you flew in the summer. So at any rate, uh, I believe this was uh, 1976, and uh, I got this uh, chance uh because uh, two friends and two other guys uh, were going to take kites to the top of Mount McKinley and launch. Okay, paragliders. Paragliders. And, uh, and I said, two of these guys were ski friends of mine, and they knew I flew. So anyway, I lined them up with the helicopter company because their kites wouldn't fit in an airplane. Uh, and so we strapped them on the outside of the helicopter. And I flew them up onto the Kill the Glacier. The just the bags? Just the bags with the parachutes in them? Yeah. Well, they, these were the uh, the Regalo. No, no. The Regalo kites. Uh, the the stiff-wing Delta. Oh, they're not. You mean they're they're doing. Um, Paragliding. No, 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 no. That's uh, hang gliding. Yeah. Hang gliding. Hang gliding. Yeah. Paragliding is yeah. different. Hang gliding. Hang gliding. You strap hang gliders on the side of a helicopter? Oh, and they're in their bags. Oh, in their bags. They're folded up. They're gotcha. all folded up. But they're long and big because, yeah, the hang gliders are huge. Mm-hmm. Paragliders can fit in a backpack. Yeah, no, this is, this yeah, is all metal structure. Yeah. yeah, hang gliders and, are good. And so, it, I, you know, I got the uh, four guys and their kites, and uh, I put them up on the uh, the normal start for a climb up McKinley. And that with uh, tall is not McKinley. eight other 20,300, and the new official is, is 310, not 320. Um Two thousand three hundred. Yeah, because the story's going there. Okay. Uh, at any rate, I put these guys on, and they drug 
four kites and four sets of skis and boots to the top of Mount McKinley and uh, launched. Well, there's, there's some dispute about that. One at least, my, one of my ski buddies, Cade, crashed, and that's a matter of record. Uh, and he had to be, they say rescued. It just took, with the help of friends, a, a full day to get him back onto the climb route because he had a broken leg. What he happened? walked. He, he crashed on takeoff on with the uh, hang on glider. skis. On so skis. they're trying to ski launch these hang gliders. He might have caught a crosswind. Anything could happen. Yeah, and at any rate, uh, and he he walked off the mountain on his own. What are the winds like up there? It it's hugely variable. I mean, I've never I've never taken a helicopter that high. My highest landing with a helicopter is uh, just a little over thirteen thousand. Okay, uh, so now you're at twenty. Yeah, and. There have been a few pilots that have landed helicopters on the top of McKinley. Uh, a few. Uh, there are a few helicopters that can do it and a few guys with enough experience. How high up did you get? Uh, I've never needed to be above uh, a little over 13. Oh, so do you, you didn't fly those guys up? No, no, no. Oh. Wait, oh, no, no, no. I, I flew them onto a uh, starting point on the Cahiltma Glacier okay, at, at about 7,200 feet. Okay. Uh, and, and then they flew up from there. They drug their kites, not flew, they climbed. Oh, they climbed the rest? Yeah, with all that gear. How, how, how high did they go, do you know? Well, all the way to 20,320, as far they as I know. Well, they hiked 13,000 feet with that uh, gear. I, I actually asked them later, and they said they couldn't launch from the peak, that they had to actually come down a, a fair... Because it was probably windy. Well, no, it was a problem of a, a good enough snow field. Oh, oh, okay. They Launch. had to have a snow field, not a rock to, field, right, right. for the skis. Uh, wow. Any rate, what uh, an adventure. Yeah. And so I got to put these guys on, and that's uh, probably because I'd just been up working around McKinley a little bit. Uh, this next job pops up uh, with a guy named Brad Washburn and his wife uh, managing the show. Uh, Brad Washburn was the... Uh, director of the uh, Boston Museum of Science and also the foremost authority of the topography of both Everest and McKinley. So he's like an Indiana Jones. Kind of, yeah. Uh, and I get this plum job because he wants to tighten up the survey of this mountain. So he's got sur some surveyors out and Eagle Scouts are going to be going to the top of the mountain on a regular basis so they can do some survey shit. Okay. Uh, well, you can't have fly surveyors in bad weather, so this job, for me, is easy because we got to have good weather. Mm -hmm. Just piece of cake. We're living on a high-end lodge. Mm. I mean, this is like one of those jobs where you'd pay them just to get to go, just to right? get to, to, to do it. And and the guy is really cool, uh, and uh, let's see, I'll blow his horn just. Uh, I mentioned the way they go up the mountain now at uh, Everest, the way these uh, kiters went up the West Buttress. This guy, Brad Washburn, and his wife pioneered the original West Buttress themselves in 1951. Wow. Yeah, and here he is out working, tightening up his survey. Anyway, one day I'm flying him around, and he says, uh, oh, yeah, why don't you see down there on the ground, see the stuff that's kind of been disturbed uh, and things stay like that for a long time in Alaska that's important to this story uh, 
we recognized. And he said, land us somewhere down there. What do you mean disturbed? It looked like a crash or something? No, no, it just the, the vegetation didn't come back. You could see outlines of what had probably been tents. Uh, all the fire pits were still there. And, oh, uh, okay. And so be, if you do something out there, it stays there. It, it tends to stay uh, okay. down. Uh, yeah. Wow. Uh, Timeless. Oh, anyway, mm. we circle down. I find a spot to land, and we shut down and out walking around. I see different things, and I see this fire pit. And, uh, oh, excuse me, as we're coming down, uh, Brad Washburn says, uh, what you're looking at is the campsite, the, uh, the base campsite for the first climb in 1913. Holy shit. This, this is where they camped. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. And I find us a place and I'm out walking around in history. Who, who was 19? Who was it in 19? Do you remember? Was it McKinley? No, that's the president. So who was the guy that discovered? Like No, no. I, uh, it had been known for a long time, the mountain. But uh, I, uh, I, I can't remember the the name of but the guy, they're, they're the, the, the pioneers. first, the first, yeah, first four guys went up in 1913 with a, a bigger support party. But anyway, here I am walking around, and I get next to a fire pit, and I happen to bump this or kick it, or uh -huh. and I reach down and grab this piece of metal, and I, I knew exactly what it was the instant I put my hands on it. What is it? This, uh, in the old days. Tin cans used to be really sturdy, uh -huh. and you could bend a tin can around and turn and have real structural metal, you know, or reasonably so. And so uh, you would take a can, straighten it out, fold it up, and it'd have a big hook on the end, and that was your pot hook to the fire. Oh, wow. And when I picked it up and I went, I knew what I had. It, it had broken, so they threw it down. Okay. This was from the climb. This is from the first climb ever of Mount McKinley, and they were cooking with that. May I? And when I picked it, when I picked it up, and I looked at it, and realized what I had in my hand. I had an artifact, and uh, I started to put it down. And uh, Brad Washburn looked at me. What are you doing? And uh, I said, I can't take that. We're in a park. And uh, he said, If uh, you don't take it. Nobody will ever understand. You know exactly what it, that is. Right. And uh, how many people will, and how many people will care. How, how far deep in Alaska is Mount McKinley? It's the center. The center of Alaska. I mean, yeah, really. I mean, this is, uh, it's 90-something miles, air miles, north of Anchorage, like 95, 96 air miles straight line north of Anchorage. So walking, it took a month to get there? Oh, that time, yeah. I, I would assume back then, you know, I, I can't imagine. Can you imagine you know, the I, Remember, I've, gotten I've always gotten around in Alaska in a helicopter. Right. You know, I mean, yeah, I've had to drive somewhere, but, I mean, my job for, right. uh, what, 18 years? I had 18 years in Alaska yeah. flying. God, if this thing could tell a story about the nights yeah. and the food it's cooked and the stories the guys are telling around the campfire. Yeah, I, I, I treasure that. I, uh, and, That's uh, amazing, dude. Because, uh, you know, they say objects hold memories. 
That's wild. Yeah. That's wild. I mean, that was when there was a great frontier. That was when there was magic and newness, oh, and they oh, didn't oh, know oh, what heck. was around the bend. And yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, that lasted much, much later uh, in Alaska. Even right, it, it was a different kind of place. Alaska or Anchorage, even which was the the major city, even when we moved up there in '60. Uh, but uh, up until the earthquake, uh, Alaska was just different. Uh, and what the, earthquake? Oh, the earthquake in 1964. I was still in high school. Uh, all of a sudden, I can't remember the date. Oh, it was Good Friday. Whatever day that happened to fall, mm -hmm. that's important in Alaskan history because there's two disasters. The Great Alaska Quake and then the uh, Exxon Valdez running aground both happened on Good Friday. Wow. I remember the Exxon Valdez. Exactly 25 years apart. Okay. At uh, any rate, uh, the earth earthquake. Uh, I've just uh, picked up my date. We're headed out. And uh, normally if you're in a car, and I've been in some more than one earthquake even before this by quite a bit, uh, you don't feel earthquakes. We're driving along, and all of a sudden, I pull over, and uh, I, what's going on? The car's rocking. And I look up, power lines are moving. I move the car, and still rocking. And then I open up the car door, and there's all this noise of a very deep nature. And finally, I get out of the car, I'm looking at some uh, railroad tracks and uh, the melting snow. So I've got a really nice surface, a little bit of grass and railroad tracks. I could see, and by this time, finally, the I realized this is an earthquake. Holy shit. You know, yeah. I can feel things move. I could see the ground swell go through. The wave. The wave in the ground. Wow. I could see it. The liquid dynamics of our and, solid I said that, that skydive with yours, I've got forever. Those seeing those waves go through and going, you know. Anyway, uh, depending on whose readings you believe, the it was a uh, nine point one or nine point two. Was it a volcano or some Earth, shit? Nope. Nope. Uh, yeah. Wow! Look at the ripped up the ground. Look that, at the that's Turnigan Arm. Uh, that's uh, about, uh, I used to walk into that area uh, to go hunting when I was in high school. You uh, guys, if you're listening, it looks it looks like somebody took a cookie and crumbled it. Uh, the much more dramatic picture, I think, is the one of 4th Avenue that shows one side of the street where all the buildings settled uh, almost one story, uh, three quarters of a story, one whole side of the street for two and a half blocks. Holy shit. Dropped. Is that, yeah, we'll see. Oh, uh, at any rate. Wow, that's way bigger than the San Francisco one. It's just that the San Francisco one was more populated. Yeah. Alaska. Well, do you, did they ever say what it was? Was it? Oh, like, yeah, there was, it was uh, a oh, big. Oh, that's it? Wow, look at yeah, that. Yeah, there you go. Yep. That's just uh, devastation, dude. There was a big. Is that the road sticking up? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This shit is. You guys, we live on the crust of the earth. We have. <laughs> it was uh, a part of Anchorage was built on what is now called Bootlegger's Cove Clay, which that's, there was a little spot right there along the uh, 
inlet that was called Bootlaker's Cove. And uh, anyway, uh, what underlies a portion where you saw those trees and those houses is stuff called Bootlaker's Cove clay. And it's a type of clay that if you hit it really hard, it liquefies. Really? Really. It's like the opposite of the other liquid that if you hit it, it gets hard. That shit, you hit it and it liquefies. And, you know, not... It doesn't turn into liquid like but this. But it, 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 it's li- it, yes, it it gives flows, moves. It, fl- it flows. Uh, uh, some of the houses there in that area where they're showing the trees, where there were really houses, uh, some of the houses move uh, more than a hundred yards. Did they sink? Well, eventually, because the they moved into Cook Inlet and a. Eventually, as it washed away, the, the landslide, yeah, took the houses. That's ridiculous. Was it like a national emergency? How'd you guys oh. get through it? The electricity's out. You're in fucking uh, Alaska. We got the yeah. ton of moose. I've, you know. Uh, that was dumb. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm surprised. I don't remember the electricity being a huge problem. So I'm going to guess that we must have got it back pretty quick. 